Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. Hey, this is Terry Reyes, born in Las Pinas, Manila, Philippines, now residing in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Hi, this is Shari Ramos. I am born and raised in Montreal, currently residing in the West Island. This is Eric Feliciano, and I'm born and raised in Montreal, and I'm currently living in Notre-Dame-des-Grâces, NDG. And I'm Jazzy, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Hala Hala podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. So we would like to begin by acknowledging that Atelier Cure is located on unceded Indigenous lands. The Mohawk Nation is recognized as the custodians of the lands and waters on which we gather today. Jojage is historically known as a gathering place for many First Nations. Today, it is home to a diverse population of Indigenous and other peoples. We respect continued connections with the past, present, and future in our ongoing relationships with Indigenous and other peoples within the Montreal community. Because after all, we're all settlers to this land. So welcome to a traveling Hollow Hollow podcast today, and we are on location in Montreal. And for the month of June, the Hollow Hollow podcast is celebrating Filipino Canadian Heritage Month. And for this episode, we welcome the creators of Filipinos of Montreal. Yay! <laughs> so so we, excited to be here, by the way. We're so, so excited, excited to meet you that you both. guys are joining us. So we've got Eric, Terry, and Sherry for a discussion of what it means to be Filipino-Canadian. But before we go into that, I'm going to pass it over to Sigs. Thank you so much for booking the studio, Atelier Coeur. Any excuse for me to have a French accent? Um, <laughs> thank you for setting this up and having us travel virtually in this month of June. So can you each again tell us, our listeners, a little bit about your immigration story, where you originated, and where you locate yourself right now? Oh, I guess I'll take it. So immigration story. So my parents got married 1981, sorry, 82, shortly after I was born. And then my dad actually moved to Canada first, worked at Rolls Royce because of my grandparents and the rest of like his siblings. They all got a job here. I actually didn't get to meet my dad till I was eight months old. So they were living at that point in Lachine, Montreal. Yeah, there's actually like a really iconic photo of the first time me, me meeting my dad and I'm like turning away because I didn't know who he was. Wow. But yes, from that point on, it's like I've been around Montreal just like living, living my life here. So it was Royals Royce? Is that what you Rolls said? Rolls Royce, yeah. Royals Royce. It was your dad that you said that got the job offer, is that right? It was my Lolo first. I think was... him and his, and his like circle of friends, they've been bouncing around between Saudi and they found an opportunity in Dorval, Quebec. Wow. It's Rolls Royce, the uh, aviation department. Right. And like, that really got ball rolling for all of their careers, also for all my uncles and aunts. Wow. Yeah. To me, it doesn't sound like it was much of a choice between the Middle East and Canada. Is that a fair comment to make? 100%. Yeah. Clearly, they wanted the social programming, the diversity, what Canada had to offer. So it didn't sound like it was a hard choice. But it's amazing that it was here in Montreal. Like, was there any other considerations besides Saudi and I think that was it. And it's only now that I'm really fully understanding the sacrifices they made just to uproot the whole family and bring it here, right? Right. It's like just realizing at this point, just giving thanks to it. It's like, it's incredible what they did. I don't think I could have done it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, if you asked all of us to maybe go to Australia, you know, (laughs) I don't know. I don't don't know that I can do that. Yeah, maybe, right? (laughs) When I'm just hearing your family's immigration story, I just also think, too, that 
it was just before some of the institutional policies on immigrations to Canada mm. changed at the time. Like, yeah. they just narrowly escaped it. Like, and I don't know if that has figured into your thinking or not, what you think of that thinking. Um, I think I just missed the boat on, like, because I had to go through a French schooling system right. my entire life. I think I was, like, outside of the years where I could have actually taken or gone to English schools. Right. So it did affect my personal growth because, like, I was the first in my family to go to a French school and it was also, like, my parents to kind of live that with me. It was also interesting for them. Like, imagine, like, being a parent, having me going at a parent-teacher meeting. Right. I'm the translator between, like, my teacher, my parent, hearing all that criticism and as well. And you're, like, it's like, five. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's been an interesting experience. But, like, I think through all the struggles, it's made me who I am today, and I'm really thankful for it. And I would say hard. Not only are you playing student, son, interpreter, as you said, and then yeah. also navigating... A different Oof. culture and language altogether, right? It's like at least parents come in knowing a bit of English, if not a lot of English, right? But how much did they know of French at that point? Zero. Zero. Wow. That was a whole other ballgame. Right. And also just being the where I grew up in Delson, I was like the only visible minority. Yeah. Just the struggles of bullying and racism, just going through that as well. It's uh And the isolation. And the isolation. Not seeing reflection. Yeah. You know, and then trying to carve out a space at the same time. The fact that you're in front of us means how resilient you and your family are. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing. My gosh, Siggy, I think we're going to have to have, do a second road trip, right? Because there's just Because <laughs> I was just thinking, oh my God, there's so much more to ask, but we've got like a full studio today. No, I totally agree with you. And we could go off so many tangents and we haven't even just hit like the whole team of Filipino Montreal. <laughs> and listeners, if you don't even know, we've been holding all this stuff in yeah. from elevator rides and us just chatting. You do not know what's happened off mic. So a lot of continue. awkward looks. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's like, oh my God, I got more to ask, right? But we need to kind of go around the panel here, right? So let's go to Sherry next. Sherry, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your immigration story and your family's immigration story. So my parents actually met here. Yeah, so my mom immigrated late 80s, and she was like 19. She was brought with her younger brothers. So she, her and her younger brothers were the youngest of like 14 kids. Wow. And their kuya is the one that uh, brought them to Canada. And then my dad came in after People's Power, actually, and his mom, my lola, brought him and the rest of his siblings. And then my parents met at a party. Who doesn't listen to this? (laughs) But they met at a party and then then they had me. I'm the eldest. I'm the ate. We first settled in the Cotenege area, which Mm. is where most Filipinos settle first. And then we moved to Saint Laurent and then we moved to the West Island. Why do most Filipinos coming to this region settle in the Cotenege? I guess like the previous generation, Right. right? I think they chose that space Sherry, what type of work did your parents do? My mom, she was at school. She did a bit of school. She didn't really finish because she had to provide for her younger brothers. Both of my parents were doing warehouse jobs. And then... I appreciate the context, right? So you're saying after 86, people's power, and then reunification, Mm. reunifying families and stuff like that that seemed to bring your parents to this region at the time. Sorry, did you say it was your dad's who was a part of a family of 14? Is that what you My said? My mom is a family of 14. My mom. dad is a, from a family of nine. A family? Or eight? Nine. A family? <laughs> so my Lola was actually a caregiver in Spain. Right. And what's really interesting, I think she's really going to appreciate this. So tell us, she, tell us. So her and my Lolo worked in Spain as uh, caregivers. And my grandma really wanted to move out west. Right. A lot of her family settled in the States, and she wanted to go there, too. Yes. But there was no offers. There was no opening. Right. But they told her, like, oh, Canada's open, though. Right. And so she's like, okay. And then they said, 
Montreal, Vancouver, Toronto. Right. And so she looked at like who would take her in and they were like, we could, like they all said yes. Yes. But only Montreal would let her bring my Lolo. Oh. So, yeah. So we could have gone to Toronto. We could have gone to Vancouver. But my Lola chose Montreal because, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Montreal really, let mm-hmm. love in. Like, is, <laughs> oh basically. <laughs> Montreal let love in. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then from there, she took, she, like, she took her kids in batches. So, like, the first... <gasps> you and then my dad was the last one to come in she told my dad like don't get married so i could get you <laughs> oh my gosh i you can't see this but i've got like goosebumps, goosebumps just thinking about that right and like what kind of thinking did you have mm-hmm. to have and being quick on your feet to think let's do it yeah. we're going to montreal for love right and <laughs> I, I like that it wasn't like she didn't have to think twice like she's like yeah. no I, i'm going it's either i go or i i don't no go, question you know? yeah no so. question i love that about your lola mm-hmm. oh lola uh, shout oh. out to my Lola. She's 91. Oh, oh my mm-hmm. gosh. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Thanks, Sherry. So that takes us to you, Eric. Right? Yes. Tell us your immigration story. Sure. So I'm going to hijack my parents' immigration story because I was born and raised in Montreal. So yeah, my parents met. They're actually kind of like they were high school sweethearts. They lived in the same town. And it's literally that age old story of like living on the other side of the tracks. Like my dad literally lived on the other side of the tracks for right. my mom. Right. And my mom's family was... I mean, they weren't rich, but they were like a little bit more well off, whereas my dad was, he had the, there wasn't a bathroom in the house. It was an right. outhouse. Right. And, uh, yeah, that was really fun. Like I remember doing that when I, <laughs> when I went to the Philippines when I was younger. But I think if I remember correctly, what happened was my uncle came to North America first. He settled in California. Wow. LA County, so yes. in and around that area. And then my aunt, and they're both older. My mom is also the youngest of like a big family as well. I think they were like eight or nine kids. Right. And then, so it was, first it was my uncle, went to California. My aunt came down, followed him, went to California. Like, he had sponsored my aunt, and right. she uh, started a career in teaching. And then my mother came down, sponsored by my aunt. But by that point, my aunt had already decided to come to Montreal. Yes. And then my mother sponsored my father to, to come, come here. As well. So I always joke around, actually. I don't know, actually, if I've mentioned this to these two, but <laughs> I was like, I kind of feel like I have a little bit of a California vibe. And I was like, oh, I no, think yeah, it's because... I think you've mentioned yeah, it before, yeah, I think it's because I was supposed to be there. I, was, right? I, was, I would tell my parents sometimes, like, why did you, like... Okay, and, he's, and Eric says this, but when he came in or whatever, I see the beautiful long mane, like he's in like the shorts and the hoodie, just where you're like very Hollister. <laughs> yes, very, very Hollister, very Hollister indeed, and stuff like. I feel like seagulls are gonna come in any moment now, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. We should close the window. Yeah, yeah. I like how you look back to. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much how it starts. Like, so they ended up here. Uh, a lot of people in my family seem to be teachers, so I think they all immigrated here to teach because they were part of that wave, I think, in like the late 60s or 70s. Right. Where, right. where a lot of professionals were being asked to come from uh, yeah. to Canada and North America in general. Y- yeah, for our listeners that don't know, there's probably three general waves, mm-hmm. right? So the 50s, of course, saw a lot of healthcare professionals. 60s, 70s saw a lot of professionals, white-collar mm-hmm. professionals like teachers, yes. engineers, so forth and so on, right? And then, of course, 80s came the domestic workers and then a path to citizenship at that point. So yeah. yeah. It's interesting... That you said or you framed your immigration story as hijacking your parents, <laughs> but I don't know that it is hijacking, Fair right, enough. in some ways. So I'm kind of curious as to why you thought it was hijacking. Oh, wow. Good question. Okay. I guess because since I was born here, like just in the logistical sense, like yeah. the logical sense, like, you know, physically I did not immigrate. But obviously, you know, I would take on their story as, as part of my story because right. it really does something. Like, I mean... A little bit of an aside, but I have a friend who's Italian, yeah. right? and he's like, don't you think it's amazing that 
my parents in Italy came here mm-hmm. to Montreal and your parents from the Philippines came here so we could be friends. It is amazing. You know what I mean? Like, so, so cute. So that's why, like, mm-hmm. I think about it. I mean, you're right. Like, I guess I said hijack just kind of, like, on the cuff. But, like, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's, it really is a part of my story, our story, you know, our parents. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and like, you know, Eric, when I hear your story, it's a generational story, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And that you play one part of the entire generational story of immigration coming to this part of Canada. I think that that's incredible, right? Because... I think we are such young immigrants in some ways, like as Filipino Canadians, that we don't, you're like on the leading edge is what I'm truly Fair trying enough. to yeah, say, yeah, right? You know, yeah. like, because I always think that Siggy's kids and my nephews and nieces are on the leading edge. It'll be when they get to second and third generation Filipinos where it's like, oh, we'll see how Canada really starts to think of us mm. as part of the Canadian mosaic, if you will. Yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. do you have any thoughts on that or is that... But the, actually, that's a really good point. Like, I never really thought about it that way. Perhaps I did, but like the, the way you worded it. But I think, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it's like anything. Everything takes time, you know, hopefully some consistency. Right. And the way that newly arrived immigrants versus us who are born here. Right. Like how we're treated by, I guess, the host country, if you want to call it. Yes, but even yes. at that, why are we calling it a host country? It should be our country, right? So, right. But yeah, like, so... So, yeah, it's true, you know, with, with time, with generations, it's curious to see how they'll be treated. Like, have we seen this with, like, a lot of different cultures, right? So Yeah, I was just thinking about kind of your friend that's Italian-Canadian. Yeah. That somehow yeah, yeah, yeah. that they have now been merged into what it means to be Canadian, that's right. right? So if you saw a typical Italian-Canadian, it's like, of course you're Canadian, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we might not be afforded that privilege just mm-hmm. yet. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to kind of see. But you're certainly on the cutting edge. So I'm going to be watching you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I might go to California, though. I, oh, I might no. switch. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but that is part of your story, right? You know, that is part of your immigration story. So you were talking a little earlier about kind of like immigrants and, and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. Filipino immigrants or new immigrants. That's kind of what Filipinos of Montreal is somewhat about is it not as i ask all three of you that is that fair to say yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah so so tell us more tell us yes so, <laughs> so listeners they're very definitive and very succinct they're very succinct I, ask today. us an open-ended question yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> so so my open-ended question is, is like tell our listeners what filipinos of montreal is all about I, we certainly know what it what it's all about or we think we know what it's all about mm-hmm. but we oh, want to wow. hear directly from the three of you the origin story and what what it's all about Okay, I guess so like, for, like yeah, well, yeah. I guess for what it's about, I think we can all share this. I think we all have different takes to it. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like really just showing love to our community, to our, our local uh, Filipinos within Montreal and sharing their stories. But at the same time, it's like we're doing, we just hope to promote like self-discovery just by sharing these stories across, uh, you know, our platform for people to notice like, hey, you may have been interested in pursuing a specific project or career, but maybe something stopped you. But maybe you see another person looks more like you and then you're inspired by that maybe i don't have to fit within a box because at the end of the day it's like we're just trying to show people to embrace our differences yeah and i think recently we were talking about how like the page has become sort of like an entry point for people to question their filipino identity Mm -hmm. or ask these questions to themselves what have you found in terms of their meditations on their identity can you like decipher or parse out a trend that that you're noticing or an emerging I think that a lot of people share with us that a lot of Filipinos are very artistic inherently. Right. But we're never pushed to actually pursue that path, right? It's always been like, you know, you're here, pursue your studies, do great in school, then pursue a secure job. And then, you know, if you're pursuing something artistic, a bit not as stable, it's not really, I want to say it's more frowned upon. 
right. in a sense. And when we share these stories and we, you see that Filipinos are actually making it, I think more so now than ever within this community, right. it's really, really inspiring. Even for us, it's like, again, it's, I really do believe that conversations you have where you learn a little bit about yourself, those are the most valuable ones. And I think that's what we're trying to do. Is the, if you will, like pattern or trajectory of some of the people that you've been showcasing, has it been like follow the family obligation, mm. pursue the security, but then ultimately feel dissatisfied and realize it's my life that I'm living and I really need to pursue what I'm supposed to pursue. Is that kind of... I think that's... Because uh, we don't... Again, we interview people from different walks of life. And yeah, a lot of the stories we share is about that because everybody has their own definition of success and happiness. And we want to show that, you know? If you're happy living that life where you are working a nine-to-five, happy, and that job security allows you to you know, thrive in different areas afterwards... Good on you. But right. also, if you're just choosing something a bit different, thanks, Shari. Let me, <laughs> as you know, I'm very handsy when I'm speaking, and I'm, like, I'm pushing up. <laughs> but yeah, again, there's no uh, one way to go from A to B, and it's never going to be a straight line. It's always going to be a bit you know, crooked, curvy, and we want to really highlight that and show people we support your journey. And again, we're meeting people at uh, different points of their lives. It's great, too, when people read back and say year one or year two, oh, my God, I was there. Right and now, look look where I am today. It's it's like we have to do like reunion episodes. I, I think, I think it's to, so valuable. Yeah, and I think well. to piggyback on that is like we meet people where they are, right? Like physically, yeah. <laughs> and I think what we discovered as well is that people are at different stages in their lives. Like you know, I, I feel like people have this perception that like oh like. I have to fully know who I am before they they meet us. But it's like, no, well, we're going to meet you where you are. Right. And it's okay to take the scenic route, right? Like it's okay to take the scenic route, right? It's funnier sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I have a question though. How do you find these people that want to share their stories? Like, is it organic? Is it just the walks of life from the three of you who you bump into? Or is it word of mouth from your first time that you guys did that focus on the month of Filipino Canadian Heritage Month? The first year... So Terry and I come from different generations, different networks. So that really expanded the people we could potentially meet. And I think what we did first was we made a list of the people that we wanted to, you know, that we were intrigued by. Like, we didn't really know who they were, but we wanted to get to know, right? So it was really like who we... Should we share the origin story now? Maybe you should go with that, right? I think think you're leaning towards it. It's a good story. Oh, okay. Like the the entirety. Yes. All right, okay. In 2019, I was invited to, I don't know if you guys know, the Pinoy's on Parliament uh, conference. Yes, yes, yes. So a friend of mine was part of the organizing team and I think, like, at that time, I was very stagnant in life. Like, I wasn't really doing much. And he's like, you know, like, why don't you just come to this conference, take a few photos? Like, he asked me to document the conference. And I'm like, right. okay, sure. So I go to this conference. Shout out Marco, Marco de Guzman. He invited me to this conference, and that just, like, blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I've never encountered or, like, known any Filipinos beyond STEM, I guess. And, right. like, you know, getting in to... leadership, right. in social services. Exactly. Yes, that's right. In, yeah. in politics, politics, right? Yeah. So that got me really excited. Like, I... It made me want... I was curious, you know? And then I met Monica Batak through that conference, and she was organizing this conference with Franz Stoner called Pinai Power here in Montreal. Mm-hmm. 
And she also asked me to document that conference. And that, like, if my mind was blown at pop, it was even (laughs) at that conference. And, you know, getting to see, like, Filipinas really own up the space and thriving in all aspects. And after that, I definitely I was on fire at this point. And Mm -hmm. it was made known that it was the first Filipino-Canadian Heritage Month. And so I'm like, okay, what is the city doing you know we have a whole month to celebrate our heritage but it was just like the usual independence day at the park banquet events with like older generation and at that point I was like really inspired by humans of New York Mm -hmm. that structure Mm -hmm. yes 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 I know you could tell now (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I was like you know what like I have this skill set I'm on fire I want to do something right so I'm like okay we have a whole month what can I do with this month right so why not champion and celebrate a different Filipino every day so that mm. th- this entire month we're celebrating each other? Right. So I made a list of people I wanted to meet. And then one of the people in that list was Terry. Like we met a few years ago at a wedding. And so I messaged him and I was like, hey, like I'm working on this project, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, yo, I'm working on a similar project. And I'm like, oh, sick. Like, do you want <laughs> yeah. to work together? And this was like a few days before June. So... <laughs> <laughs> So from my end, I don't mean to cut you off, but isn't there the juicy part of you asked if you could feature him? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I asked if I could feature him, but he... Kindly declined? Kindly declined because he was working on (laughs) the same project. Let's just work together then, you know? How uh, my story goes in regards to this is I was in my own journey of self-discovery and trying to understand how... My family in the Philippines kind of helped shape my characters or traits. So I visited the Philippines in January 2019, had conversations with them, but also wanted to kind of get to know the culture. I'm a street photographer as well, so I like taking street portraits. So I go down Makati, different places in Manila, just like take photos of like, you know, different titos, cuyas, ates, and just ask them different things with my limited knowledge of Tagalog, but it was fun. Yes. But then it hit me. It's, it's like, why ain't I having these conversations with people in Montreal? It's crazy because mm-hmm. I've never really thought about it. Mm-hmm. So coming home from the Philippines, I had that in my mind. I just didn't know how to get it started. And when she sent me that message, this is like amazing This timing. is the start. This is the start. Mm-hmm. What she didn't tell me though was, okay, so <laughs> she sent me a message on May 26th or 27th. And she said, yeah, let, let's highlight different Filipinos in the area. She didn't tell me she wanted to do 31 per day, but it was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we yeah. met our first person Two days after. Yeah, two days yeah. after. I think in our second interview, we met Eric. And I think I'll let you take it from there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I'm the baby of the group. I'm, uh, so <laughs> I'm the bunso. Maybe yeah, so. by like a few months. By like a few months, yeah, true. So I met Terry first. Uh, he actually photographed one of my friend's weddings. I meet all uh, my best I, friends at weddings, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so this was a few years before, kind of similar to Shari. Like, you know, a few right. years before we met there and connected on Facebook. I thought he was super chill. You know, we, we didn't really like hang out at the time. But then at the time I was working for um, a nonprofit that worked the homeless population. And we right. wanted to do a project where we take photographs of the people we work with and just kind of mm. show them in a different light. And Terry was one of the people that I thought of to contact because I knew he was photography and, and doing street photography. So, yeah, I contacted him. It was a great time. Like, I got to say, it's one of the, like, I, and I've told Terry this before, it's, it was one of the highlights of having worked at that organization for me. Mm-hmm. Like, a really great project. And during that project, he asked me, he didn't tell me what it was about, but he's like, I, I'm thinking of doing something this summer 
regarding Filipinos, would you be interested in being featured? Right. I said, sure, why not? You know, like at the time I had just kind of got Instagram. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Mention, <laughs> mention me, post me, you know, put the me stories on these come stories, out now. You know, he, like, he never shared this with me before. So okay. this is good to know. You know, it's funny on, on a bigger platform, I tend to say more. I have no idea why, but anyways. So. I wonder what else he's going to reveal. I know. <laughs> yeah. Keep talking. By keep the talking. way. No. So anyway, so yeah, so he told me that and, and then mm-hmm. eventually I get contacted by, by Terry and and I met Shari literally on the day of my interview. Wow. And I just really loved what they were doing. So, you know, I maintained contact with them. I yeah. offered to help with a couple of events that they had. And then about, I guess, well, we always talk about how technically I'd, I'd always been with them. But I, I guess officially about maybe like nine months later, a year later, like they had asked me to officially join Filipinos in Montreal. And that's been the ride since then. So, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Um, just like also the beauty of it is... Uh, before Shari reached out to me, we've had maybe four conversations over three years, okay? Same mm-hmm. thing with Eric. We, ba- we barely knew each other, but it was really just our love to support and really just highlight the community that came out. And it was just like so authentic and genuine that it kept on blooming. And I found that right. so amazing. To the listeners, we've had pre-conversations already about mm-hmm. why this is important. But I'm wondering if you can just reiterate for our listeners why it's important to champion, support, elevate other Filipinos, specifically Filipinos of Montreal. Where do we start with that? Oh, God. Again, besides the amazing talent Filipinos that are here, it's really to, again, we're trying to promote self-discovery, but also for people to embrace their differences. And the best ways to do that mm. is to share their stories. Where That's where I'm coming from, at least. Sorry, I, I, mean, Go ahead. I think what's cool about it is that, like, everything, it's always evolving. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. I think when, if correct me if I'm wrong, but when you guys started, it was kind of like, oh, Filipino Heritage Month, you know, yeah. first time, this is going to be cool. You know, right. like almost right. type of thing. There's some people I want to meet and, you know, get to know their story. But then I think as they continued and then I joined in, like, I think we just keep thinking about how, wow, like it's, we didn't realize that it's starting to connect the community, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that people would like reach out to us a little bit. And we're like almost as if a certain kind of responsibility that came with it at one yeah, point. Yeah, so yeah. that's what I think is interesting. And I can imagine people contacting you saying, I want my story to be told. Can you showcase it? Can you highlight it mm-hmm. for their not not because they want to brag, but you know, they want to see reflection or they want to be part of the community mm-hmm. that you guys have obviously yeah. created. Yeah, there's somebody who told yeah. us you guys planted the seeds of like a community that, you know, they currently have now. And that really hit me. Like we mm-hmm. didn't realize how much it impacted people. Yeah. Just to hear one story, just to affect one person. Just well, to know that they started. met via yeah. our page, yeah. you know, yeah. like, so that was really cool. Yeah. yeah, That's amazing. Something to be proud of. And I know that Siggy and I, when Siggy got me on what you all have been producing, we've just been applauding you from Ontario, right? <laughs> yeah. Like in terms of That's what really you guys cool. have been able to produce. Yeah, like in fact, I'm a little jealous that someone hasn't done for Filipinos <laughs> in Toronto. Hints <laughs> to our listeners, anyone out there that might. Thing. I think it's amazing that you guys have created a community through this wonderful. Like I'm calling it a project. What do you? What yeah, do you I want to say it it's it's a project for now, mm-hmm. but we're working on something. To, you know, maybe announce in the future. Let's move. So stay tuned. Yes, in, yes. In, let's say that. Stay tuned. I think just stay a tuned. comment on what you just said. I think we've had people ask, like, if you could come to our city and do like feature, do the same thing in our city, and I'm just like, I hope. Like our project inspires the people in your city to start their own version of right. what we're doing. I think right, like right, right. if there's one person that knows your city more than 
anyone. It's you, right? It's you. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Because who better to ask Filipino of Montreal's questions but Filipinos of exactly. Montreal? Yeah. Right? Exactly. As far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we want to know here at the Holo Holo podcast is how are Filipinos of Montreal different from... And Sherry, you had talked about this in terms of your immigration story. MTV, right? So Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver. Mm-hmm. You know, So Filipinos will typically gather in urban areas mm-hmm. like Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, sometimes Calgary, sometimes Winnipeg. How are Filipinos of Montreal very different from Filipinos from other urban centers. Language. Yeah. Absolutely. Language is one, yes. Language. And I think Terry talked about it earlier. We come in and we're put into the French system right away. Like, I think we've all been translators for our family mm-hmm. at a very young age, you know. Like, I remember no one could help me with my, my homework growing up. Also, we get discriminated in two languages. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know? true. It's true. <laughs> you know, like... But I think that's one of, I would say, one of the biggest uh, differences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think looking back now, it's like, since Montreal is way smaller than Toronto, I think we're a tighter group. But right now, it's, I think, um, being as supportive as it is, as I've seen. But also, you know, when you're tight, it could also be not as supportive. Like, if you look back, like, I think, I want to say 15, 20 years ago, there was a bigger divide between, like, uh, Filipino-born and Canadian-born Filipinos. But now I mm-hmm. think uh, we're, we're healing that and we're really trying to help each other out. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful right. to see. As a gay Filipino man, if you ask gay men what they think of gay Vancouverites, they'll tell you typically they're much more snobby <laughs> as a caricature, right? As opposed to gay Torontonians, they'll probably tell you, oh, gay Torontonians are typically uptight versus gay Montrealers who are characterized are party goers, right? Now, <laughs> listeners, these are characterizations and generalizations, not that we support that here at the hall. <laughs> <laughs> Just would like to kind of preface all of that. But is there a singular quality or character to Filipinos of Montreal? I'm curious to know. Whoa. That's a good question. Yeah, that is a good question. That's a hard one. I don't know if this is so will answer your question, but I think to bring your previous question I guess to another level like I think there's also a difference between like people who grew up in the West Island people who grew up Mm -hmm. in the South Shore people who grew up you know other parts of Montreal so I think that also plays a part in your identity in Montreal and what and how does it express itself that's what we're curious to know well think like uh, speaking of like piggybacking off of what Sherry's saying like in terms of location which I guess could be anywhere because first of all what you mentioned about a gay Vancouverite versus a gay Torontonian, like, yes. is also seems very indicative of the city qualities, you know, right. that we've right. attached. You know, right. like That's Montreal right. is very mm-hmm. party animal, you know, like yeah. we're, we're right. the loose, right. like, you know, Vancouver is kind of like a little bit more like chill, and, and there's like a discrepancy in like in, in class, class and everything. <laughs> and and Toronto is, yeah. sorry guys, but yeah, and seen as like, but it is, yeah, we're very much an uptight competitive, and we all don't want to be in a rat race, but we're. We're all caught in being. Yeah, wrong. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, That's the truth, though, right? No, so. yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, to comment on that, like the location, like, yeah, I, I think it's tough to find like a singular. I'm sure there is if we really mm-hmm. dug deep, but like, especially the areas, and I think every city has this. But I mean, for myself, for example, I grew up in an area called Machon North, which is, right. I was a lost Filipino. Like, there was nobody else, right. there was no right. other Filipinos, kind of similar to what Terry had experienced. But I grew up with Italians and Haitians. Wow. 
Wow. Uh, like that's my upbringing. Like I had a heavy Italian accent when I spoke English and a heavy <laughs> Haitian accent when I spoke French. When yeah. I, was young <laughs> I believe that. So I believe that. It's, yeah. It's, and so I really identified with that portion of my life, you know, like, yeah, right. I'm, yeah. like I'm from Montreal, North, you know, like type of thing, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, you grow up and I went to CJAP and university and I met more Filipinos and like just seeing, you know, people from West Island and, and South Shore, and actually my Barcada technically is in the South Shore, so I guess I'm affiliated with that portion of Filipinos, if, if you will. Sorry, a bit of a tangent, but I don't know. It's just, it just made me think about it. I think yeah. I'm, I'm having trouble answering the question because we're so diverse. Montreal is a very diverse mix. It's really halo-halo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. one thing I, I can identify, though, is I feel like Filipinos living within Cote Neige, they probably understand and know how to speak more Tagalog than those living outside of that area, right? And why Maybe is that? Maybe at a time. Maybe at a time? Maybe at a time. We were talking earlier how we first come to Cotonège, but I think now we've... Oh, and they dispersed? Okay. Yeah, we've expanded to different regions of Montreal, like, you know, the West Island. Vaudreuil is its own, you know, there's a whole Filipino hub there. There's a whole Filipino hub in the South Shore and other parts of... When you say that, I'm just shocked because I know um, some of you guys know, I lived in Rigo for several years. <laughs> wow. And when you guys and had that's that not point, far from Baudrillard. It isn't. And when you guys yeah. had Support Your Friends 2022, which we talked about on the podcast of you guys elevating Filipino-owned businesses, and it wasn't just a few, it was a lot. Your mm-hmm. TikTok was amazing. I was so shocked to see where I'm like, I could have gotten like an Ube brownie <laughs> at night at Rigo, and I, I didn't even have to drive far. Like mm-hmm. this dispersion... It's, it's crazy. And we just yeah. talked offline earlier about Junior, the restaurant, and you said, you know, Siggy, there's more of an expanse. It's not just them. They were like the founding. And as we talk about this, at three o'clock, you guys are doing a photo walk mm-hmm. focused on Filipino food in what area? Cote Neige. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's shocking how it's just such a span. And I wish if I would have known when I lived here, I would, I would probably be much more fatter because I'd be eating all those ube brownies and stuff. But to support other Filipinos, like Jesse always uses the example, and I feel like you guys do this. Do you know that when otters gather together, they call, they're called a raft? Mm. Where they link arms. There's wisdom in nature, right? So when they try to get through tough times, they just lie back, link arms, and then overcome the rocky waters and form mm, a I raft. Think I've seen a video so of it's that. called a raft of, of otters. Got to Google a YouTube this really now. Sorry, yeah. yeah. It's really a. They're really cute, and b. <laughs> and b. It's like wow, there's wisdom there, right? Mm-hmm. If you're like isolated and alone in an area, the best thing to do is to find others yeah. like-minded, likewise, or common history. Link up to them and lie back and chill because you'll get to the other side, you know, well enough. I hear you all do that, right, with Filipinos in Montreal. Actually, now that you're mentioning giving that analogy, like, you know, if I think about one thing that could define a Montreal Filipino, like, I guess it's one of many, but like, if I'm thinking mm-hmm. of something now, this is a little bit my go-to answer for like a lot of things, just, <laughs> but, but, but no, like it's, it's community, right? right. Especially yeah. what we're helping to be part of right, right now. Right. Like we see that people want to be part of, right. of a community. Uh, people want to support, people want to reach out, you know? So I, I think, yeah. I'm going to go with Dennis. Community. Yeah. For, for yeah. me. For me. <laughs> so, no, I think yeah. it, it yeah. definitely is community. Yeah. Like <laughs> a rising tide lifts all ships, right? That's yes. where we are right now. Mm-hmm. We're just pushing. We're pushing forwards. The theme for the first Pinoys on Parliament was uh, lift as you climb. And I think that's mm. definitely something that we do yeah. here as well. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. So I think this really kind of, 
just things. I feel like we could have 10 more million conversations and 10 <laughs> more million episodes with Filipinos in Montreal here. Let's but, do it. But I think we should. <laughs> Let's do it. The trip is in order, at least for the Hala podcast, right? <laughs> but I, I do want us, because it is Filipino Canadian Heritage Month, do want to end with our last question, which is what does it mean to be Filipino Canadian to you? Take a moment to think about that. Yeah. To be Filipino Canadian, I think, like I mentioned before, is to acknowledge and be thankful of the sacrifices our families did to, to get here. But at the same time, doing our best to heal the generational trauma that we've all been to or been through. I think that's the best way to be put in the position to thrive, especially for the future. But honestly, just uh, trying to live your most uh, genuine and authentic life because I think we've been given that opportunity. Beautiful. Beautiful. I think in addition to that, I, like, I totally agree with that definition. And I think I used to struggle with trying to identify myself like mm-hmm. you know filipino canadian especially like when you're in canada people look at you and you're like filipino right but when mm-hmm. you're in the philippines they're like oh it's that canadian yeah but i, I look, look like, like you uh, yeah. yeah you know i look like you though so i think like recently it's really like claiming that i am filipino canadian like i'm mm-hmm. fully both uh, yeah fully both that. embracing that i love it Hyphenated. Shout out living hyphen. Copy paste Terry and Sherry. I think think that's my answer. (laughs) But uh, no, no, but definitely like, you know, obviously what they say resonates with me. And I think that's part of why we get along so well. And like, but yeah, no, I just go back and I use the answer already. But to me, it's community. Like it's really about community and being human, right? Like, because we're very multidimensional. So, but you know, one of the first things you see, obviously, like on our skin is that we're Filipino right so yeah that would be my answer you mentioned this like off record earlier you know we're talking about something else but we could say Filipino Canadian but that it also means that you know we're also not a monolith like there's layers to being a Filipino and different expressions of what it means to be Filipino Canadian right I'll share my working theory my working theory is, is that each region of Canada that has sizable number of Filipinos will highlight a particular Filipino value more. So Eric, when you say community, I think Bayanian, like yeah. that community yes. spirit. Montrealers perhaps, or Filipinos and Montrealers really prize Bayanian, as opposed to Winnipeggers. If you talk to Winnipeggers, you'll find that they have a high degree of entrepreneurship, which is that mm. Filipino attitude of can do, because that region demanded that of them. So I'm always interested, kind of like, oh, in this region of Canada, for the Filipino community to survive, what part of the Filipino culture are you highlighting to make sure your voice is heard? I don't think we could have ended on a beautiful note, Sigs. No, I think that's pretty much perfect. But before we even sign off, can you share with our listeners your socials so they can follow you? They've got amazing pictures, Instagram. Tell us how our listeners can know more about you guys, the three. You want to give your phone number, Eric? Okay. <laughs> 514. You could add me on MySpace. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Instagram at Filipinos in Montreal or send us an email for any kind of questions or inquiry at filipinosinmontreal at gmail.com. If you guys have any questions and want to know more about Filipinos of Montreal and ourselves here at the Halo Halo podcast, you can email us at halohalopopculture at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at halohalopopculture and on Twitter at halohalopop. You can download episodes of Filipinos of Montreal and the Halo Halo podcast wherever you can get podcast episodes. Please rate us and leave a review. We greatly appreciate it. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Chal Turingan, and we'll see all of you guys again real soon. 
See you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank you.